Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the Champions Day preview and I am your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests as we go through the card at Ascot on Saturday. First up, it is, of course, Odds Checker's very own tipster extraordinaire, Andy Holding. Andy, very good as ever to be sharing. I mean, normally I like it when we're sitting opposite each other, but this time, of course, we are sharing a Skype together. How's it all going? Very well. Yes, um, this is one of my favourite um, meetings of the year, um, back-end stuff. But I always think when I'm looking at meetings like this, um, once I pay no attention to what's previously gone through throughout the year, but I do take a lot of the results with a pinch of salt and I'm very much looking at um, a different dynamic, really, coming into this. I, I think you need to look outside the box. The obvious doesn't always happen. Um, I think if you if you're betting a lot of these short price favourites, you're in for a bit of a rude awakening, like we have been for previous years. You've only had to look at the the results for the sprints in the last two or three years to tell you that, um, and there's been plenty of other shocks as well. So I'll, I'll be very, very, very doubtful whether I'm going to be putting up many single figure prices also this week or this weekend. Sorry, I like the sound of that a lot. Uh, Mike Spence joins us as well, professional punter owner. Have a few horses around the place as well. Mike, you were meant to join us for the Longchamp arc preview. You pulled out last minute because of the builders. Then Andy basically went through the card over the two days. So, um, you know, no pressure here. Yeah, glad I missed it then. I would have No, much UK stuff anyway. Good stuff. How's the how's the kind of the summer been for you? It's been okay, really. Just in the office as usual. It's felt a bit bit normal really hasn't been with the racing certainly has it's been very annoying not going racing mm. bha aren't doing the best of jobs in my opinion but that's another story yeah but, me and you could probably do another podcast all about whether or whether or not fans should be allowed into sport um not just yes. racing, but we will leave that for another day um before we get into the racing just want to point the viewers and the listeners in the direction of the Odds Checker app. It is the best place for the best prices, best bookie offers, free bets, and the very best tipsters around, including, of course, Andy, whose tips you can get straight to the app every single morning around nine o'clock. Uh, if you're listening to this, you can also watch it on YouTube, on the Odds Checker YouTube channel. If you're watching it and you want to listen to it, you can find it on all podcast platforms under the Odds Checker podcast. Before we get into the racing, Andy, just going to come to you first because um, at least where I am, somewhere in kind of northeast London, it feels like it hasn't stopped raining for about three weeks. Um, what do we expect to be the going come Saturday at Ascot? Well, it's going to have a very autumnal feel to it like it has done the last few seasons, doesn't it? It's been on the soft side and I think that's going to play um, or make a massive impact on, on where the jockeys decide to race. Um, I think it is going to ride on the slow side. I think it might dry out between now and Saturday. I don't know what Mike's view is, but I've seen the forecast. It's looking dry today as we speak outside the window here. It's it's dry, and I think that's the case in London, uh, unless you're going to tell me anything different. <laughs> and I think the forecast for tomorrow on Saturday is fairly favourable as well. I think there's a bit of high pressure coming down. So I don't think we're going to get too much around the odd shower. Rogue shower might just develop maybe along those lines. But and it's also interesting as well to, to point out where they raced last season or... or in the last few seasons, they've tended to migrate towards that far side rail as well. So the, the raw meeting on good ground or, 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 you know, early season ground, let's say, they've come towards the stand side rail. But during the, the autumn period and, and, and in particular this meeting, if that's anything to go by in the last three or four years, I've, I've watched a lot of replays. Most of the action, particularly on the straight track, took place middle to far side. So maybe low numbers uh, is what you want to be looking at. 
Well, um, it's music to my ears, Andy, because I'm playing golf about five miles down the road from Ascot on Saturday. So glad to hear you say that there's some, some warm pressure coming in. I reckon when most people have a flutter, they use the same old bookies every time. But how do you know if you're getting good odds? Odds Checker, that's how. At Odds Checker, you can compare the odds from major bookmakers, get tips from the experts, and place your bets all in one place. Whether it's your Saturday hacker or a first goal scorer hunch, choose our best odds and get brilliant returns. Odds Checker, your one stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. Let's get into the racing then. And the first race of the day is the Long Distance Cup and Stradivarius unsurprisingly is 10 to 11 favourite after finishing 7th in the arc search for a song 6 to 1 Fajaria Prince 10 to 1 Dawn Patrol 12 to 1 Spanish Mission Mission 16 to 1 alongside Broom and Mirando 18 to 1 Bar 13 run all those prices and all the ones I'll be reading out on this show are the best on odds checker um, Mike we're going to keep you in the sidelines for another second just we're going to give Andy first run here Andy you not to drop you in it it was pretty much the only thing you said that was that um, didn't kind of pan out the way you expected in our Longchamp preview. But Stradivarius finished seventh. We thought he was a bit of an each-way certainty on the day. 10 to 11 here at a, at a course that we know um, poses no issues whatsoever. Um, you said you're going to be looking to kind of swerve the favourites. Is that the case in this opener? Yeah, without doubt. Yeah, he's the first one I, I want to be avoiding. Um, I'm, obviously, I'm not suggesting for him and he can't win, but they're, they're just not my kind of bets. I mean, if you want to be playing him at four to six, four to seven, or whatever it is, good luck to you. Um, I want to be back in Stradivarius, coming here off the back of confidence-boosting wins, not uh, you know an absolute battering like he got in the arc. I mean, I, I can't for one minute put my finger on it, why he and Enable ran so badly in the arc. Um, I mean, everyone's put it down to maybe a slightly slow pace, and, and you know it suited those that towards the head of the, head of the, head of the field, but as I said to you in the, in the podcast when I did the, the arc preview, um, he quickened up in 33 and changed off a slow pace the time before. So he should have been able to make some kind of inroads into horses that he should, you know, he was entitled to keep up with and he didn't. So once the alarm bells are ringing, um, but he's just he's just not in the kind of kind of form coming in here that I want to be backing him. And of course, he got beat when he was in rampant form last year. I think he was 8-13 to 13 last year and he got beat by Kew Gardens. So it's not as if he's unbeatable completely. And He's had his nose rubbed in the in the in the uh, in the sand twice on his last two runs. So in short, I think Stradivarius is a one I'd want to be taking on. And I think there's various sources you can throw into the mix. Search for a song, of course, last time out was very good, beating a stellar field over in the Curra. And Dermot Wells got a, a fantastic record in not only this race but at this meeting itself. I think I think she's a, a viable each way alternative. But I do like um, another Irish rider in this as well. I'm definitely going to be putting this up on Saturday. Dawn Patrol. Um, Aidan O'Brien's horse, of course, Aidan won it last year with a similar type, Q Gardens. I thought he's running the St. Ledger was a very good run. He, he was dropped out the back from a wide draw. He was last turning in, and albeit he didn't make any inroads into the likes of Galileo Chrome, etc., he's kept on quite well if you watch the video back on him. And that St. Ledger form, based on the time figure, has worked out incredibly well. Um, you know, we've already seen um, Dawn Patrol himself come out and win, the, win out of it. Tyson Fury, I think he's another one that's come out and won out of it. So already the race is beginning to take shape. Uh, got a good time figure for him last time out when he beat Barrington Court at the Curra, uh, proving that he stays two miles on soft ground. Um, so I quite like his profile, um, and obviously Fujiara Pince is another one as well with Ascot form. He, he'd be he'd be a bit more of a player. I think it was a mile six. I don't think he got home last time. 
uh, over over the uh, the mile the two mile trip against um, Search for a Song. Uh, so I'd have my slight question marks about him. But Dawn Patrol twelve to one as I'm looking at it here. Mm. That looks very, very solid on a, a lightly raced three-year-old that will stay over yard. So taking on the jolly there with Dawn Patrol, 12 to 1 is with 365, Bet Victor, Betway, and Boyle Sports. Mike, do you agree with Andy's assertion that Stradivarius is one to take on? And who are you taking him on with if you do? I agree about the first part. I don't, I'm not too sure about the second part, but. <laughs> He is 12 to 1, so I won't put Andy off. But uh, yeah, I think Stradivarius, I don't really want to be with anything that ran on Arc weekend. I think the ground was very soft that day. And I think you'd be better on taking on everything that ran on that weekend. Um, so he'd be a fair lay for me. He was trained for the Arc. And this is, you know, undoubtedly an afterthought mm. this year. Um, you know, his record in this race isn't isn't as good as it could be compared to other races and, and he's had a, a long enough season. I'd be laying him for, for a fairly good stake and then but then I'd be backing three against him, which search for a song's the obvious one. She should go very well. You know, she's had a longer break after last time. As long as she's in the same form which she should be, then she'll run very well. Um I'm not that sure about Dawn Patrol personally. I think he's I think uh, the one I like is Sovereign. I, uh, he's 20 to 1, I think. Um, Ryan Moore's riding him, which I think is fairly big uptick. His run behind Enable for me and the King George was a massive run. Um, he's a very, very talented horse. And, I mean, he obviously gets forgotten because he won that Irish derby and everyone thinks it's, it was a fluke. But there was no fluke about his time when he went off too hard in the King George. Um he was below his best behind search for a song, but I'm probably happy to take a chance at twenties about him. Um, I do think he's a very smart horse. So I'd be going with search for a song and sovereign and then Spanish moon, I think's um, a, a useful stare who isn't quite good enough on what he's done, but I quite like the fact he's improving and, and lightly raced. And <clears throat> I think for the price that he is as well, I think he's 16 to one best. I think, you know, I'd, ra- I'd much rather be going with those three darts and a small lay on Stradivarius. Um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Stradivarius is odds on. Um, and instead of just laying him, I'd probably lay and then also bat those three. There you have it. So strong um, feelings against Stradivarius here, 10 to 11 at the moment. But given that Mike and, and Andy are, are privy to the kind of things that might in future, um, you know, normally the market corrects itself by time by the time they go. So that could be an indication that Stradivarius might be a bit bigger on the day. And search for a song, as as Mike said, second favourite, three three six five, Bet Fair, Sportsbook, Paddy's Bet Victor or six to one. But Sovereign, the one that you gave a really good um word for, and twenty to one is with Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy's. Interesting to note that quite a few firms are a fair bit shorter. Unibet twelve to one, bet three six five ten to one, Hills eleven to one. So that twenties may not stick around. Spanish mission sixteen to one with Hills, as you mentioned. So Adding Dawn Patrol to the mix there, that's four to take on the favourite with. So we've done quite well in the first. Fingers crossed one of them wins and we're not looking at uh, Stradivarius absolutely hosing up on, uh, on early on Saturday afternoon. Uh, on then to the sprint and Dream of Dreams is the 15 to 8 favourite ahead of one master at 6 to 1. Uh, Oxted is 7 to 1. Starman 10 to 1. Um, Art Power 12s. Glenn Shield 14s. Lope Fernandez 14s. Kate Byron 16s. Uh, 20 to 1 bar. Mike will mix it up here. 17 runners at stands with a, with a 15 to 8 favourite in Dream of Dreams. 
are we looking to take on the Fav here and, and what with? Uh, I don't think so. I, I'm not sure whether I'd be keen to be having a big bet at the price he is, given he's got a draw in 16, but I wouldn't want to be taking him on. Um, I think Oxhead's a, a very useful <clears> horse, but I'm not sure about him on the ground. And to be fair, I'm not entirely sure that he definitely wants a, a very testing six furlongs either. Mm. Um, he, he'd probably be the one that I'd want to take on. And one master, obviously, given she had a very hard race in France not long ago. Um, I think there's probably some each way value. We could get like a horse like Starman, for example, who's still got a bit to find, but probably not as much to find as it as it looks like a, there is on the market. I think they'll probably go hard with Art Power, but he's um, he's drawn in the middle and then Happy Power as well, drawn in stall one. I, th- I think it's a too much of a trappy race for me. Lopi Fernandez is another who now they're probably now they have reverted to sprinting he could easily be very interesting here but I, I wouldn't want to be taking dream of dreams on um lopi fernandez and starman probably make the most appeal to me at, at those double figure prices lopi fernandez 14 to 1 <clears throat> starman 10 to 1 worth pointing out as well that at the moment obviously we're recording this at about 20 past one on thursday so the markets are kind of reforming as we speak but a couple of bookies have stuck their neck out with some each way enhanced offers you've got four places from betfair and paddy power and bet victor and skybet already out with five as well so it might be worth just just keeping your powder dry until saturday seeing what place terms are on offer if you are going to side with one of those um andy which one of them is uh is the one that you want to be siding with well this is the race i'm probably more referring to and i think there might well be a, a shock um because you've only got to look at the last three winners labrisa bruce 10 to 1 <clears throat> Uh, Sons of Mali, also a big price when he won two years ago, and 33 to 1 Don Juan triumphant last year. The thing that those three all had in common is that they're all, though, previous Ascot winners, most of them over the course and distance. I do think that is very relevant in this race. And there's only like four or five this year that actually fall into that criteria, which kind of like makes me believe that we can probably get a bit half a result here. Now, Dreamer Dreams, amazing, he's not one of them. He's never won at the track, albeit he's run well in defeat here on a couple of occasions. I think he's finished second twice behind Blue Point. And, of course, hello, Yumzane in, in the Diamond Jubilee. But the fact is that he's come unstuck here more times than he's, than he's obviously won. And he's also run appallingly in this race tw- two years running on ground that he, he, he absolutely loves. I think he's beat two horses home in, in the last two renewals. So, again, good luck if you want to take 7-4-2 to 1 about this chap. Now, I know he's improved subsequently. This year's form, he looks a totally different horse to the one we've seen in previous years. But that is alarm bells ringing at the back of my mind. I, I mm. want everything in my favour. If I'm back in the ground at the back end of the season in a group one, uh, you know, that, that's a two to one poke. Um, so, yeah, I'd be looking to take him on as, uh, as well as uh, Stradivarius in the first. Um, so, what, so what we're left with, I, like I say, the devil meeting me, he's, he's looking like a completely outside the box here. But if you, I don't think there's a great deal between literally the whole 17 in, in, in a race like this, you know, where, where the draw and little fractions are, are, are very, very minute. Take, for instance, the, the Silver Wokingham and the Diamond Jubilee all run on the same course and distance on the same day. And if you look at those, those two respective time figures and their sectional times as well, with the handicappers compared to the Group 1 horses, there's absolutely zero in it. For instance, Chief of Chiefs, who won the very first race, the Silver Wokingham, clocked an almost identical sectional to Hello Yumzane when he won the Group 1. So, as I said, be prepared for a shock in this race. If something won it, like a Chief of Chiefs, 
you couldn't think where on earth did that come from because the data is there to tell you that, that these horses are capable of running way outside what the odds suggest. And I do think Charlie Fellows has got not only half a chance for Chief of Chiefs, but the one right down the foot of the uh, well, not foot of the weights, but the foot of the uh, the page, mm. Anassis. She does strike me as being a horse who could easily um, cause a, a massive upset here. A, she likes the track. B, that Hayley Turner rides this track better than most. She comes here in unbelievably good form, like a lot of Charlie Fellows horses do. Charlie had been had an absolute desperate season. I think this horse won at Royal Ascot, was the only winner in June, July and August for Charlie. He had a wretched time. Then now in good form, this horse won last time and at Good was a said. And <laughs> amazingly, if you if you go back and look at an Onassis' sectional when she won the Sandringham Handicap over a mile on soft ground two days before Hallow Yumzane won the Diamond Jubilee. Hallow Yumzane's sectional was 36-4. Onassis clocked 36-2 on soft ground and it dried out to good on the weekend. So this filly's got an amazing turn of foot and I think she's better than what her current rating suggests. She's drawn in stall five, which means that she'll be racing hopefully on the far side of the track, which will be the best place. She's 50 to one currently with two or three firms as far as I can see. So um, I've got a lot of respect for a lot of horses in this race. And, they, all, you know, we could all make cases after Glen Shield and, and uh, Sonela, one master, of course, you know, who was unlucky in this race last year. But I'm looking at prices and, and, and I, I just think she's a ridiculous price of 50 to one. She, she'll definitely be going up on Saturday. Charlie Fellows coming into the champion sprint stakes double-handed with a 50 to 1 and 100 to 1 shot. Absolutely love it. Anassis 50 to 1 with Bet Victor and Unibet. Um, Chief of Chiefs 100 to 1 with William Hill, Bet Victor, Unibet and, and Ball Sports. Andy, you mentioned there were three, I thought you said, that, that had won at the track and, and had run decent um, sectionals. Is that, was, there a, was there another one there? Are those the only two? Yeah, and we've got, you've got Chief of Chiefs. You've got one master, as I mentioned. Uh, mm. Anassis is another. Uh, speaking colours is the other one, but he, he's, okay. he's kind of form, form's dipped a little bit. Uh, Art Power, of course, he's another one, but he's a five. He won over five furlongs, uh, and he finished fourth in the um, the Haydock Sprint as well. So, as I said, cases can be made out for so many of these. Um, but um, I, yeah, I, I like Anas. I think she's she's a good filly, and albeit this is a big step up from Group Three company to to of course a Group One. Um, she's not proven in this company, but neither were Don Juan Triumphant. And, and all the other horses I've just mm. mentioned before, they won it hit in, in this race, um, you know, in the past. So, prepared for a shock. And if it is to be one, then maybe Anassis could be the one pr- to provide it. You'll hear my scream on the TV from the 15th green. Um, okay, on to the third race of the day then. And it's the Phillies and Mares. Um, we've got Wonderful Tonight, 7-2. to two. Dame Malliot, 9-2. to two. Antonia de Vega, 5-1. to one. Even so, 6-1. to one. So, those four at the top of the market there. And then a big... Drop in terms of prices with Madai and Gold Wand and Frankly Darling, Thundering Knights all 14 to 1, 16 to 1 bar. 12 run as it stands at the moment. Skybet, the only firm paying four places as it stands. Uh, Mike, we'll come to you first here. What do you make of this one? I think it's probably a, a bad race. Um, it's a bit of a tricky what? one. I, yeah, I think a, bad, a bad race? Oh, here we go. Yeah, how'd you, I'll make, how'd you make that out? I just don't think there's anything that good in here. <laughs> if we were but, if we were around the table, you here, know, at Odds Checker HU, we'd be coming to blows oh now. God, what, what right. have they got to do? You got a, you got about three or four Group One winners in this race. We're on the right race, aren't we? The Phillies are yeah. race. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. oh, stand by. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll give we'll give Mike first run, and then you can come and sweep in afterwards, Andy. 
have the, have the last word. Yeah, I just I, I mean, you do get races where horses just, you know, we're talking about a Group One where I don't think any of the fillies are, you know, I don't think anything's better than like 114 in here. Um, man, I'd be pushing it to even get it that high. I mean, my top rated is 100. And, well, magical's obviously there, but bar her, I think we're looking at 111 is my my top rated for all of these fillies. <laughs> I don't think it's a very good race, but we are where we are. And Antonio de Vega would be near enough my top rated. Um, yeah, just that. Uh, um, Antonio de Vega, five to one currently, <clears throat> kind of with, with all the bookies up on odds checker. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just going through it. I mean, I'm just re, re going over it to check out. I haven't missed something, but I don't think I have. <laughs> um, I, I think, it, yeah, I don't think it's the best race to myself. Um, wonderful tonight. Was you know she won well the other day, but that's one mile six in heavy ground. As I'd be keen to take on anything, as I've said, that ran an art weekend. I mean, she was well held in a group one before that over a mile four. God, I, I really don't see this good race thing, to be honest. They mally it, and even so, I mean, these the horse constantly beat when they try and take on the Colts, and even with the weight allowance. So, yeah, I do, I don't think it's a great race. Antonio de Vega hasn't had much racing, but she's owned by somebody who's incredibly smart um and i imagine this has been the target for her for a very long time she did run okay in the race last year not good enough form to win this um but i do think that she hadn't had the best of seasons in terms of preparation last year and i think that this race will have been her target all year um she's shown she's been in very good form all season she's won both her races uh, i thought she was impressive the other day when beating alpinista who'd obviously been second to love on her start before that. Um, I think she should be favourite for me. And I, yeah, I, I think she's got a, a massive chance, especially with Wonderful tonight, having such a hard race last time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know, Dame Malliot was well held in two group ones on her two starts before that. She beat Communique before that. He, I mean, I don't think he's won a race all season. He's run about 15 times. Um <laughs> So yeah, I stand, I stand by. I think this is a poor group one and Antonia de Vega is a useful enough filly who, if she runs to what I have her at 111, I think that will be enough to win the race. Right, Andy, let's keep it civil. Go next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's a... Yeah, I, can't, I don't know you could say it's a bad race. I mean, like I say, if, 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 we're, if we're dealing with horses that have one group ones, then, then fair enough, but you know, you got an Irish Oaks winner in here. Wonderful tonight. Won a, a Group One last time in in a in a good time figure. Beat a good field. Um, you know, you, we're only really missing Love to be fair, and, and you know, uh, Magical. Uh, but they, you know, we know what happened to Love, and we've got Magical in another race. But that aside, you know, these these are top class fillers, no doubt about that. Wonderful tonight. I do like her. I put her up didn't I when she won in France last time out, basically because the ground was heavy. Um, and that's what she wants. So if it does stay soft, heavy in places as it is at the moment, and that sort of like moisture and dew keeps the ground as it is, and I, I very much think she's the one to beat. She finished fifth the time before in the Vermeer. Now, the Vermeer was the, the best of those arc trials, wasn't it? I remember talking about that when Tanawa won. Uh, but in that race was wonderful tonight, Dan Malliot, and even so, and, and um, Laburnum as well. And they all finished in a bit of a heap behind the eventual winner. And, and of course, Tanawa went on to... Frank the former herself with a with a win uh, over at uh, Longchamp Art Weekend as well. So collaterally, that this these are the three or four you need to be concentrating on. Now, wonderful tonight, as Mike said, 
did have a very hard race in winning that mile six race. So that might have just sucked the life out of her, arguably. Uh, although I do think, you know, she's the most effective under these conditions. So if you're looking at taking one of those or maybe two out of that race in France, I'd certainly give Dame Malia an, another um, another exception, if you like. Um, I, I, you know, she's, she's definitely knocking at the door in a race of this nature. She's a big, strong filly as well. If you look at it, she's a big, powerful, masculine type uh, that, that um, doesn't have any problem handling heavy ground. Um, she had to cut out her running at Longchamp when she got beat last time. And I'm not absolutely entirely convinced that that's the way you want to be riding, A, her, and B, implementing those tactics to Ascot. As I said, riding a race on the front on that round track at Ascot, it's almost impossible to make all. So if Connections decide to take a pull and give her a half a chance, then I think she's got a, a decent chance of um, upholding the form with all those horses she finished in front of last time out at, at, at Longchamp. And I'd also give Laburnum a chance as well. I'm not sure who's riding that. Um, obviously, I know Brian's got uh, two left in it, and maybe Ryan Moore could ride, ride one of them. But if he, he does, odds around about 16, 20 to 1 for her, her would look rather big because, you know, she, she's only got a little bit to find um, with the likes of Even So and, and, and Wonderful Tonight. So that's probably the way, the angle I'm approaching this race in. If I can get an each way price about Dame Malley, I'll be comfortable with that from, from for that finishing in the first three. Uh, and, and I do think Laburnum's uh, slightly overpriced. So Dame Malley at 9-2 with Hills, Betfair, Betvictor, Paddy's, Betfred, Betway and Boyle Sports and Genting Bet as well. And Laburnum pretty much 18-1 to one across the board as well. So Glad we got through that one. It got a bit awkward there for a second, but we're moving on now to the QE2. The news yesterday was that Cameco doesn't run, and that means Palace Pier is 8-11 to 11 odds on favourite. The Revenant is 9-2, to 2, Circus Maximus 9-1, to 1, Nazif 12-1, to 1, Century Dream 18-1, to 25-1 bar. Still 14 in there, so plenty um, of, big, kind of big prices down towards the bottom. Andy, given... <clears throat> You know, this seems to be following a bit of a trend for you. Can we assume that you're looking to take on Palace Pier here? Yeah, I must admit, of all the short price favourites that, that we're going to talk about, I think this one's probably not necessarily the most bomb proof, but he's the one who I think, yeah, right. You know, if he won, fair enough. Um, because he was brilliant, wasn't he, last time out when he won in Deauville? Um, clocked a good number. And the fact that he won on heavy ground and quickened up the way that he did, rubber stamped him as being the best miler, arguably, in Europe at the moment because he's winning the St James's Palaces when he. He, he flat-footed and, and skim, uh, scampered away from Pinatubo. Um, he's, he's definitely the best form as it stands coming into this race anyway, let alone his run last time out. Um, so he's very hard to knock Palace Pier. He's won at the track. He's won on heavy ground. Albeit his win was on the round track, of course. But, uh, you know, Frankie knows the straight track better than anyone else. And, and, you know, he'll be trained to the minute. He's, he's had a fairly light campaign as well. That's another thing I, I like coming into this meeting. You don't want something as a, as a rule of thumb to be having... You know, hard knocking races one after the other coming into this race, and and that leads me to the Revenant, who looks the only possible danger as far as I could see. Uh, and at the price is nine to two. If we can get five to one, maybe on Saturday th- three, maybe four places. I, I, that'd be the way I'd look look with him. We mentioned didn't we before the the podcast in, and when we did that um, art yeah. weekend, didn't we, Mike? He was twelve to one, wasn't he? Anti post. Hopefully, one or two of the uh, the mm. listeners managed to get hold of that because he won as uh, anticipated um, over that weekend. And that was seen, as we thought, as a prep run, uh, workmanlike rather than spectacular. But Connections would have been delighted with that. Had a nice little blow after the back of a 350-day break. But he comes here fresh, and it looks as though Connections means business. They had three or four runs building up to his second last year. But this year, only one. 
this is very much their target. They've trained him for this specifically, and he's drawn right next to Palace Pier as well in Stool 6. So, um, uh, Pierre Charles uh, uh, Boudet will obviously have a um, a good look at where Frankie is, uh, and the two of them will sort of be like be locking horns, you know, throughout the last two films, you know, and which one kicks first. But I see it as a match between the two at a massive price, I suppose you could half, half give Escobar a bit of a chance, given that he won the Balmoral last year on heavy ground over the mile, and because he beat Lord North as well, who, um, you know, has, has done the form no harm since. Um, he's a he's a like a sixty six to one shot, so he, he's one for the the uh, the ones looking outside the box completely. But uh, yeah, I'd be all over the Revenant. He's probably my each way banker of the of the whole meeting. Escobar is a hundred to one, Andy. If anyone has the Anassis Escobar each way double, it's probably not going to uh, return any money. Um, but hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe maybe we'll get lucky there. But as you mentioned, um, the Revenant 9-2 is with BetVictor and Betfred and Ball Sports. All firms currently three places. Um, Mike, what do you what do you make of this? Again, do you think Palace Pier is of all the shorties the most likely? And, and who there do you reckon, reckon might represent some each-way value? Um, I haven't really focused on the each-way value because I think Palace <laughs> Pier will win, really. If he's still 8-11 on Saturday, then I'll I'll be backing him at 8-11. I think, I think he's... I think he's probably the best. Ooh, I mean, he's not far off being as good as anything in certainly in Europe in terms of ability mm. um, over any distance. Really, I think he's the real deal. So I wouldn't really, I wouldn't want to oppose him. I think he's got to run below his best to not win this. Um, and, I mean, the Revenant, obviously, yeah, he's the obvious one, but just clutching a bit, really, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> Well, he, he's obviously there. I mean, he's, yeah, if you can get on each way, I mean, superb. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not really going to be able to get on each way. So, um, do, do, do you think Palace Pier will likely still be eight to eleven on the day? I think so. I think he'll get pushed out. He could even be a bit bigger given the amount of runners. Um, at something like ten, eleven a.m., he might be a little bit bigger. I think he's. I think he's very good. You know, I think he's much better than these. And if he was eight to eleven, I will be backing him. Nice and simple there from Mike. Just pointing the shoot, basically eight to eleven Palace Pier at the moment. Uh, that is with, uh, I think it's Paddy Power. Just trying to get it back up. Um, yeah, Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. But as Mike says, might ease out a little bit. It was four to five yesterday um, when Camaco came out, shortened up into four to six. Now back out to eight to, uh, to eight to eleven. So. Um, you might be worth biding your time. Um, on to the champion stakes and magical is seven to four, Mishrif seven to two, Lord North eight to one, Skeletti ten to one, uh, Adaib ten to one, Pile Driver fourteen to one alongside Japan. A uh, <laughs> bit of blue for Japan actually, looking at it now. Hill's still best price at fourteens, but nine to one elsewhere. Um Serpentine sixteen to one. And then three at 66, 80 and 100. That's extra elusive Desert Encounter and San Donato. Might come back to you here. Who do you fancy for the champion? Uh, probably Mishrif. Um, I think Magical is, is a bit vulnerable when she really gets into I know she won the race last year. So this is sort of a, it's hard to really knock her. But, and she is incredibly good. But I think I'd rather have an improving three-year-old against her this time. Um, she, she sets a very good standard and, and she probably should be favourite. But I thought I think Mishrif's been brilliantly handled this year. Um, I'd have done the same thing if I owned him in Missing the Ark, knowing that this was going to be 
10 furlongs on soft ground um, and perfect conditions for him, really, a real test over 10 as well. And I think it, I think I would just be siding with him at around 7-2. to two. I think I think he's a very good horse. He, he's obviously been primed for today, um, what will be today. And, uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a very, very good chance. Andy? Yeah, I couldn't disagree, Mike, with his assessment in Mishra. He's a, you know, he's a smashing horse, isn't he? Uh, he's been one of the sort of um, pivotal uh, horses that, that that form um, well pivots around um, throughout the entire season. That that race at Newmarket that he won early on in the year, that mile and a quarter race when he beat Vulcan Star, worked out amazingly well. It was it was, you know, we, we thought at the time that Well Connig was the new com- was the second coming and he got absolutely battered. But so many horses out of that race, Frank, the form subsequently, you know, like, even like horses like the First King and Luncey's way beaten, have beaten miles. Uh, one one out of the race, so it was no great shock that he managed to win. Obviously, in Chantilly, that the, the time after the um, the French Derby, and then on, when he won last time at um, at Deauville, uh, he was very good that, that day. But interestingly, on that same card, and this one I'm going to get onto now. Uh, obviously, I've been doing the the French form and some sectionals and overall times and stuff like that, um, just to keep me eye in with regards to maybe uh, big and better races further down the line. And the day that Mishriff won, he clocked a very slow time. And on the same card, Skeletti won over the exactly the same course and distance. And it was that run that prompted me to back Sotsas for the, for the Arc de Triomphe because I thought Skeletti was very, very good when he beat Sotsas that day. And interestingly, even off the back of a much stronger time figure, Skeletti's closing sectional was exactly the same as Mishriff. So Mishriff should have been beating Skeletti from three out further because obviously they've gone slow and then they've quickened up. So Scaletti's run the same section off the, off the back of a stronger gallop. So put this way, if you fancy Mishraf, which which obviously I do as well, I'm not I'm not poo-pooing Mike's claims, but you've certainly got to give Scaletti or afford him a huge amount of credit as well. Um, he's got a nice draw as well around the inside. Hopefully, he, you know, he won't get sort of bogged down too much around the inside. Um, but he should get a lovely run round. Um, and if he handles Ascot, that's the only thing we don't know with him, whether we'll handle the track or not. But uh, I think on pure ability and what I've got him doing on times anyway, he's, he's as equal of Mishraf and similar to Mishraf as well. He's had a, a very light campaign with it, with this race very much in mind. So, again, I'm looking at a double-figure prize for this fellow. I think he's going to be underestimated because not too many young, uh, UK punters will know him and they won't know what level of form he's got based on any numbers. But like I say, I've done the work for them, if you like. So... I can tell you that he's as good as Mishraf. So at the prices, I'd, I'd probably go with him. So uh, Mishraf is a seven to two, Skeletti ten to one, uh, Bet three six five, Betfair, Betvictor, Pallies, Betfred, and the others. Um, just got one more race to preview. Um, but before we do that, before we move on to the Balmoral handicap, we have a giveaway for the watchers on YouTube. Our friends at Timeform have given us three copies of their Horses to Follow book for the 2020-2021 jump season. If you want one, just comment on the YouTube video and we'll select three lucky winners at random. So all you have to do is just, if you're watching this now, just comment below and that will enter you in with a chance of winning one of the three Timeform Horses to Follow for the jump season in, in the coming campaign. So just comment below and best of luck. At Odds Checker, compare the odds from major bookmakers, get expert tips and place your bets all in one place. Odds Checker, the one-stop betting hub. Download the app now, play responsibly. Finally then, the Balmoral, as I mentioned there, 
Andy, we'll come to you first here. And Reich is the five to one favourite ahead of Tempest at eight to one. King Ottaker is nine to one. Keats nine to one. And George eleven to one. Twelve to one. A few of them there. Raising Sand, Bell Rock, and River Nymph. <clears throat> Sixteen to one. Bar. The lucky last, Andy. Give us a winner. Well, yeah, Reich has been very much the the anti-prize gamble, hasn't he? Double figure quite since the sort of around about five to one. Now he was, I thought, quite impressive when he won last time out. He did actually uh, something against the grain. Um, against sort of uh, how conventional wisdom goes at Ascot in the sense he won from virtually the front last time out. I don't normally like front runners at Ascot on the straight track, but he managed to to book that trend. Um, that was over seven. But he's definitely better over a mile as well. So, you know, God knows what he's going to do over an extra furlong. So, you know, he's, if you've missed the price, that would be the only, re- the, the only reason, like my reason, that I, I'd probably not back him at five to one. I'd be looking for a little bit um, of um, double figure value. There's one horse that hasn't run at the track, and I'm, I'm a stickler for Ascot form, as you know, but he's actually got the run star tailor-made for this venue, and it's, it's significant that Jessica Harrington's brought over a horse called Nord. Now, I've been keeping an eye on this fella all season. If there's an unluckier horse in training than Nord over in Ireland, I haven't met one, because he should have won both of his two premier handicaps at the Galway Festival. He got terrible draws and terrible runs through in both of those two occasions, and he finished second on each run. Uh, he then went to the cover and completely missed the start in the Irish Cambridge and finished at an ever nearer fifth under the top weight. And then last time I at Listole, he was gained badly drawn and he was last coming out of the back straight. And anyone who knows Listole is like a greyhound track. And if you're towards the rear, you've got zero chance of making up the ground. The fact that he managed to get within three lengths of subsequent Group 2 win, a lady wannabe, just tells you how good this fella is. A straight track over a mile on soft ground He's absolutely not ideal for him. And he's he's a deep closer in the sense that he, he, he'll miss the break and then come through horses. Uh, Tom Marquand has been booked. He's got a fair draw in store for, presume they race over on the far side rail. Um, I think he's a big player. And the other one I'd throw into the mix as well, he's horse right down the bottom. He snuck in, number 20 on the race guard, Alternative Fact, who was a very good third in the Silver Hunt Cup behind Sabusco Race, which worked out really well throughout the course of the season. But that was on good ground, and he doesn't like really good ground, but he likes soft ground. If you if you go back and look at his run at York last time out, again, another horse who made an amazing amount of ground up from the back of the field. He did the best sectional uh, in that Uzo race uh, only last weekend. So he's holding his form together really well. He likes this track. He likes the ground. And Frankie Detour has been booked as well. So he's drawn the other side towards the near side. So if you like, and you're not too sure, one from the high stall, uh, no, uh, lo, sorry, low store Nord, and if you want one from a high stall, alternative fact. Round about eleven to one, the one and twenty to one, the other. Twenty to one, alternative fact with Hills, Bet Victor, and ten bets, and then Nord eleven to one, Bet three six five, Bet Victor, and Unibet best prices. Uh, Mike, over to you. I don't disagree, really. I think Andy's covered the three that I probably would have mentioned as well, right? I mean. I didn't think it was the strongest of races last time when he won over seven. I'd probably, I think he he might be about the right price now. I think Nord's a, a great shout. I mean, the only worry with him is given that if they do all decide to go over to that far rail, if he does miss the break, mm. Tom Markham's going to have some job plotting his way through the field. Um, but he's 11 to 1 and that might be in the price. I think he's a very good shout. Um you probably want to watch a few races before you get stuck into that race, given the track's normally a bit narrower and they might stay stand side, some of them, because it is a long way to go from stall 22. Um, 
So I pro I don't think he he's not going to go off six to one Nord or something. He'd probably be the one as well that I'd be a little bit keen on, but I'd be wanting to see a few races um, to sort of see what was going to happen. I, I'd be a little bit worried if they're all going to go far side. If they, if it didn't look a bias and they were going to stay out the sand side, then they'd probably be a bit more confident. They might get the clearer run through. Um, but yeah, I didn't have any much to add there. Um, I thought Nord's a very good shout. There you go to double tick there for Nord at 11 to 1. That brings us to an end of our Champions Day preview. Hopefully a couple of winners in there, maybe even a three-figure winner if Andy is right and Charlie, Fe- <laughs> Charlie Fellows will have a lovely Saturday evening if uh, if you're right about the sprint. Um, but thanks as ever both to Andy and to Mike for joining us today. We'll be speaking to them both again very, very soon. If you've enjoyed this, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel or to uh, our podcast on any podcast platform. And please, most importantly, do download the Odds Checker app. It is the best place for all best prices. Bookie offers free bets. And all of Andy's tips and other tipsters across a range of sports is the best place to get all of them. Uh, But most importantly, please do gamble responsibly and enjoy Champions Day on Saturday. (laughs) 